Welcome to Torah Today Ministries and our continuing series called Parsha Seasonings, where we look at some details in the, uh, the Hebrew language and in the Torah scroll that deal with the weekly Torah portion. And this week we find ourselves in Torah portion, Toldot. And if you recall from last week's Parsha Seasonings, we ended by talking about the term Toldot. And that is the name of this particular Torah portion. And it begins with Va'ela Toldot, and these are the generations of Isaac. And um, so anyways, you might find an error here in the way I spelled Toldot, but I wanted to give the, the full spelling here of the word, even though in this Torah portion, that second Vav does not appear. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, that's okay. Uh, you can go back to last week's and listen. And we'll be encountering this word spelled fully like this in Torah portions to come. If you didn't understand a word I just said, well, let's just move on to something hopefully that will make sense to you. Genesis 25, 23. This is where Rebecca is, I'm sorry, yes, Rebecca is pregnant. She has twins in her womb and they are wrestling up a storm. And uh, she goes to God and say, what's going on here? And God speaks to her. And Adonai said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The word for nations is the word goyim. You've probably heard that word goy before. It means a Gentile, but it also means a, a nation. In fact, the Jewish people are also called a goy, a nation. So generically, the Word applies to Gentiles, but literally it simply means nation. Goy is nation. Goyim is plural for nations. But there's a problem with the way the word is spelled here in Genesis 25:23. It's spelled Gimel Yud Yud Mem. It should be spelled Gimel Vav Yud Mem. So the question is, why did God foresee or cause to happen that the Vav here is replaced by a Yud here? Now, Vav has numerical value of 6, but Yud has numerical value of 10. So why is replaced the 6 with the 10, the Vav with the Yud? What's going on? Well, the rabbis have wrestled with this for a long time. But by the way, this important, what you might call a misspelling, is something that's even marked in um, a Komish. So if you have a printed uh, version of the Hebrew Torah, you may see a note like this. As you're reading along, Vayomer Adonai to her, uh, Adonai said to her, Shanei to Goyim Bavitnech. And this means two nations, two peoples are in your womb. As you can see there, it's spelled Gimel Yud Yud Mem. Now the little circle here is saying that's not how we read it. The way we read it is Gimel Vav Yud Mem. Just what I've shown you. So this would be the way the spelling should be, but this is the way it appears in the Torah scroll and in our printed versions of the Torah. So as I mentioned, Yud has a numerical value of 10. Why was the Vav taken out and a tin put in in its place? Well, the rabbis came up with this. In Psalm 83, verses 4 through 8, 
there's this amazing passage which talks about Israel's enemies. And this is what it says. They, these enemies of Israel, lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones, for they conspire with one accord against you, and they make a covenant. The tents of Edom. Now, let's stop here for a moment. Who were the twins in Rebekah's womb? There's Jacob and Edom. That's one of the names for Esau. Edom means red. We're going to see a little bit more about that in a moment. So the first one mentioned is Edom because he's one of the oldest of these, uh, these groups. And he seems to be the conspirator who's really working up these other nations. And the Ishmaelites, now remember Ishmael, we spoke about him in last week's Torah portion. He was a son of Abram. You might call him Isaac's older half-brother. And Moab, Moab and Ammon, these were sons of Lot, Abram's nephew. But anyways, Edom, Ishmaelites, Moab, the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre and Assyria, also has joined them. How many nations do we have here? Ten. Who's the ringleader? Esau, or Edom, the descendants of Esau. And so it's surmised that the reason this Yud is put in there is because one of these nations is Edom, and he's or one of the twins is Edom, and he is going to lead ten nations in revolt against Israel. And throughout history, Edom has been an enemy of Israel. And uh, so it's amazing to think that possibly in this apparent misspelling of the word goyim, God is hinting at something far in the future. As we go on, we come to Genesis 25, 25, and it describes the birth of these twins. The first, that would be Edom or Esau, came out red, and that's where we get the word Edom, um, because the word that is used here is Admoni, Admoni. You may remember that Adam was made from the Adama, the soil. And there is the word Adam, but it can also be pronounced Edom because Esau was a man of the field. He was a hunter and a killer. He was hairy. He was a man's man, right? The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Later, when he met Jacob when they're grown and he want, he's starving and Jacob's made this, making this red stew. And Esau says to him, give me some of that Edom Edom, some of that red red. And that's when his name became red. So not only was he red in color, but he had an appetite for red. But that's another story. Now, what is interesting here is this word, Admoni, which means reddish, is only used twice in the entire Bible. This is the first time. The only other place it's found is in the description of another individual, and that individual is David. 1 Samuel 16, 12 says, and he sent that Samuel sent and brought David in. 
Now he was Admoni. He was ruddy. He was red and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And Adonai said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. At the risk of, of taking a little rabbi trail off of our Parsha seasonings, um, it's interesting to me that when you see the birth of Jacob and Esau, Esau is, is someone who's, who's uh, very connected to the earth. He's hairy. He's red like the earth. He likes to hunt and kill and eat and do what he wants to do. He's kind of a picture of the fleshly person, animalistic. But it says that Jacob is born Tom, first place that word is used, which means complete. He was born complete and smooth. And Jacob, it says, he spent his time in tents. And what was he doing in tents? Probably talking to his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham before he died. And, uh, and studying and thinking and contemplating. So we see com two completely different natures here. So why is David described the way Esau is described? But it doesn't say that David was hairy, just says he was Admoni, he was red. But he had beautiful eyes. I think in David what we see are the natures of Esau and of Jacob. The man who knows how to hunt and kill and, and fight battles combined with the one who spends time inside studying, contemplating, writing music, singing. And you see the two brought together in David. He is in every way a man's man, while at the same time being a righteous, godly man. Oh, he fell, I know. But he got back up. And this is why the Mashiach is called not the son of Abraham or the son of Isaac or the son of Jacob or the son of someone else. It's called the son of David because David's life so closely parallels that of Messiah. So, I think what it says, he's Admoni, we think of Esau, but when he had beautiful eyes, the eyes are the windows of the soul, he had a beautiful soul. So he had all the, the manly grit of Esau, but he had the beauty, the inward beauty and spiritual maturity of Jacob and others that we see in Scripture. So, let's move on. It's interesting that when you read Jacob's blessing that he received from Isaac, uh, it's in Genesis 27, verses 28 and 29. When you read it in the Hebrew, it's comprised of exactly 26 words. And if you know anything about the teachings I do, you'll know that God's name, yud Hey vav Hey, has numerical value of 26. And we see 26s throughout Scripture, and they're often kind of hidden under the surface, as is this. And the rabbis say that in this 26-word blessing that Isaac pronounces over Jacob, he's blessing him with a tetragrammaton, with the name of Adonai, yud heh vav -Hey. And in those 26 words are contained all the beauty and the covenant, the blessings and the richness of being connected with God. Now time passes and by this time uh, Esau has taken a number of wives from the Canaanite women 
And uh, the Jewish people were not to mix with the Canaanites. And it really was a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah that their son Esau was taking wives from these really corrupt, ungodly, pagan, idol-worshiping women. And Rebekah did not want that for her favorite son, her favorite twin, who was Jacob. And it says, then Rebekah said to Isaac, I am disgusted with my life because of the Hittite women. And she goes on to say, Jacob cannot marry one of these one of these women from Canaan. He needs to go back to where, where um, you came from, where uh, Abraham came from. And this word I am disgusted with is one word in Hebrew. It's the word katsti, katsti, there it is right there. And you'll notice something, that first letter, the letter kof, is written undersize. Hmm. So there's a mystery here. Why is the letter kof written undersize? Well, there's how the letter kof normally looks in the Torah scroll. And one of the things that's interesting about kof is that kof is said to have two faces. On the one hand, kof is a picture of a kof, and last week we talked about the letter kof, which represents a hand, and it's a hand hovering over a person. It's like God's protection over a person. It's one of only two Hebrew letters that is comprised of two strokes that do not connect. The letter kof and the letter hey. And kof is a letter of holiness because it's the first letter of the word kadosh, holy, set apart, separate. And kadushim and kodesh, which is one of the words for the holy place in the tabernacle. And when items that were sanctified, say um, oil for use in the menorah in the tabernacle, when oil was sanctified and put in a vessel, they'd mark the vessel with the letter kof. So people know this is kadosh, this is holy, it's set apart. It's not for common use, it's for the menorah in the tabernacle, later in the temple. So on the one hand, kof is a letter of great holiness. On the other hand, the name of this letter, Kof, spelled Kof Vav Pe, is the word for monkey. There's a, a Hebrew grammar I would use when I taught classes to, to kids, Hebrew classes. And one of the characters in the stories was a monkey named Kofi, because Kofi means monkey. And you have this letter, Kof, so on the one hand, stands for great holiness. On the other hand, stands for ape. What's going on here? Well, you know, you and I stand between these two meanings of the letter kof. On the one hand, we have a physical body and a yetzahirah that tries to get us to always give in to the desires of the flesh. On the other hand, we have a yetzer hatov, a good inclination. And we have God's Spirit within us that is always suggesting and pulling us towards the side of the holy, the kadosh. And we are in between. And as with David, who could take the, the nature of Esau and the nature of Jacob and bring them together and become this amazing king of Israel, God invites us to do the same. He invites us to do the same to bring these two natures together and to live as human beings, not like apes, 
but at people of holiness who can live in the body of an ape, but live and do holy works, do righteous deeds. So why is this cove undersized here in her name? Well, it's because she wants something for Jacob that Esau passed up. She does not want Jacob to intermarry with these pagan, fleshly, idol-worshipping natives of the land of Canaan. She wants him to combine with the holy. And her life, she was disgusted with her life because holiness was small. And she saw, it's almost as if she saw holiness shrinking and disappearing from her life if Jacob were to intermarry with one of these women. So the kof appears very small. But we know that Jacob, he goes back to the land of Canaan. He meets his beloved Rachel. And through Rachel and her handmaid and her sister and her sister's handmaid, he brings about the 12 tribes of Israel. So anyways, that's a story for uh, an upcoming Torah portion. But in regards to Kof, I would like to quote, uh, I want to call him rabbi, though he was not technically a rabbi. He wrote uh, some beautiful books called The Inner Meaning of the Hebrew Letters, Robert M. Haralek. And he says about this letter, when a man does not elevate himself beyond the ordinary, when a man does not act in a way to create sacredness, when a man does not endow his situation with holiness, man I know more, is no more than an ape, and I apologize for the misprint. Man is no more than an ape. I want to be more than an ape. I'm sure you do too. But the way we do that is by giving ourselves to God, setting ourselves apart to Him. And we have to take up our crosses and deny ourselves, deny our right to ourselves, deny our right to live in the flesh, and instead to choose the upper path, the upper road, and to live a life of holiness to God. I just read something by Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsberg, and he says, the way the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, the Yetzer Hatov, the good inclination, operate is this. Yetzer Hara comes along and says, you want to know what's fun? And he'll suggest, it will suggest something that is not righteous. But the Yetzer Hatov, the good inclination, comes along and says, do you want to know something that's really fun? In other words... What the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, suggests sounds fun, and it may be for a while. There's something that's much more fun, and that is to do a righteous deed, because not only do you get some pleasure from that and happiness, you get true abiding joy. So, when your evil inclination suggests, hey, you want to have some fun? Just wait for the suggestion of the good inclination which will say, do you want to have, really have some fun? you want to have some real fun, genuine fun that lasts for eternity? And listen to that voice instead. So with that, I wish you shalom and may God bless. Over and out.